My name is Adam Ben Shabbat. I'm from Neve Shalom. I'm 23 years old. I was born here. I was born and raised all my life in Neve Shalom. Salam. My name is Nadim Tali. I'm 24. I study computer science and I was born in Lid and my family moved here around eight years ago. I'm Sophia Yan and this is Battle Lines. Regardless of who stands with Israel, Israel will fight until this battle is won. Bravery takes you through the most unimaginable hardships to finally reward you with victory. I made wartime decisions. I know the choices are never clear or easy for leadership. I just find bombs and I find dead people, but it's a really scary thing for me. Adam and Nadim, two friends, one Jewish, one Palestinian, living in Israel right now during an unprecedented time as war nears a fourth month. Tensions are high and threaten to spill over in the broader Middle East region. But these two friends are from a very unique place in Israel, a village called Vahat al-Salam in Arabic, or Neve Shalom in Hebrew. It means oasis of peace. It's the only place in all of Israel where Jews and Palestinians choose to live together, to coexist despite their differences. The brainchild of the late father Bruno Hussar, a Jew born 1911 in Egypt, ordained as a Dominican priest and later naturalized as an Israeli citizen. His dream was to build an interfaith community of Muslims, Christians, and Jews aimed at fostering mutual understanding and respect. It's grown from just a few people to a community of 300. The Oasis of Peace, atop a quiet hill overlooking the lush Ayalon Valley between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. This is where Israel's first fully integrated bilingual school was set up. Students come from the village and surrounding towns. It's how Adam and Adim first met as classmates. But it wasn't until their teenage years that the two became very close friends. Five years ago, he came, I was working in the pool after I first moved here and I got introduced to Adam. And I think we went and played some basketball together. And then since then, I feel like we became very like close friends, not just me and Adam, but me in general with the people from the village. We became very good friends. And ever since we've been really close, that's around when Nadim and his whole family moved to the Oasis of Peace. There's limited space in the village, so the waiting list can last years. Nadim's family got to know Adam's family very well. The family got close every occasion, every celebration that we have. We always uh, join. Since then, we had many adventures together and things to, to remember and just like good friendship. The two of them enjoy sharing all the things friends everywhere love to do. A lot of times, just like being in the car, we all listen to the same music. And Nadim is always like turning with his car, like all around the village and just listening to music on full uh, volume. So just one of those nights that we were just having fun 
and driving, listening to a new album or old song that we all scream together. It's just uh, one of the best experiences, just, uh, you know, having fun with the music that we love and scream the, the song that we know word for word. Adam invited us for a Shabbat dinner and when his family was away. I helped a little and he prepared like this big Shabbat dinner, celebrated the night. We went to the forest and we somehow ended up in a party. That was a cool moment. They chat with each other in a mix of Hebrew, Arabic, English. People outside the village sometimes are surprised to hear about where they're from. To be honest, it's weird. The people here are weird. Because for them, the concept of Palestine is something that is so far-fetched. So even just me telling them I'm Palestinian, they are in shock. They're like, what? Palestinian? There's nothing like Palestinians. So it's complicated. The Oasis of Peace sounds idyllic. In many ways, it is a beautiful bubble. But keeping the harmony is much easier said than done. The whole village, under pressure, when the current war broke out last October. I think the moment it started, I felt like we all have been together on the same, the, the 7th of October day, all of us. It felt like something terrifying, what happened. It was a chaos and it was, it was just uh, shocking and terrifying. Me and my sister went all over the country to donate blood or do anything, you know, that will help. I remember waking up and my mama woke me up and told me there's bombs, we need to go to the shelter. And as the day went, a lot of videos surfaced from the tragedies that happened. As any normal human will, I was very like uh, disgusted um, with what happened. It was a lot of really hard images and videos. Then at night, I remember like meeting up with Adam and all of us were in shock, like how something like this could even po like possibly happen. We were sure that Israel is this super safe place that I had like a lot of emotions. And one of those emotions was also like fearing what's gonna happen to the Gazans. Because I saw this movie before, like, or not on this scale, but I saw what happens usually when there is like a rebellion or something from the Gazan side, I see what the repercussions are. So I was also scared for what's gonna happen to them. And I remember that night we talked and we said that the scale of the destruction that is gonna fall upon Gaza it's something we never saw, and our prediction was correct. The village WhatsApp group kept pinging with messages, residents arguing with one another. Adam and Adim were confronted with a very specific challenge. Adam, a reservist, returned to serve in the Israeli military. It brought back into focus an issue the two friends had grappled with and overcome a few years ago when Adam first joined the military mandatory for Jewish citizens like him, but not for Palestinians like Nadim. I will start by saying it was something that was extremely hard for me to accept, understand, and just live with. The army is something that represents pain for us Palestinians, and is going to continue to represent pain and hardship. So you seeing one of your close friends joining this entity is not something that it is easy. For many Jewish Israelis, the military is a symbol of what keeps them safe. And it's an honor to serve in such a capacity. But for Palestinians, the Israeli military is an ongoing reminder of what many consider to be an armed occupation of their land, 
of Israeli aggression against Palestinians. And this has been an ongoing point of contention for Adam and Adim. I understood the army importance for an Israeli to fit in society and stuff. So I tried to put myself in Adam's shoes and understand why he's deciding to join. But yeah, it was a difficult time. And I think, I don't really, this part of like our friendship is kind of something that is blurred to me. I think my brain like kind of wants to forget it. Fulfilling the military service requirement was a tough experience for Adam too. It wasn't easy. One of my other friends, we stopped talking for like half a year because he didn't really want to hear anything from my uh, military service experiences. And this was all my life at the time. I wasn't like proud of it or happy about it, but you know, want to tell your life to your best friends. And afterwards we talked about everything and we learned to live. But yeah, now it's over and I really like, I'm not a man of, of the military and I never was and I never want to be. I, I would like to define myself more as a, more as a man of peace. All this was complicated by the fact that Adam grew up in the oasis of peace. When he finished the required two plus years in the military, he thought... I said when I finished my mandatory military service, I said I will never put a uniform ever in my life. Khalas, that's it. This story ends for me here. But then the Hamas attack on October 7th occurred and Adam felt called to serve. I think like every other Jewish Israeli, it's something that when your country is attacked like this, the only thing that you can do is to go and help. Adam joined up as a reservist for not just one return stint, but two in the current war. The first time when he went, I think, like close to the seventh in the beginning of the war, like I understood photos and videos that came out that day were really, it was hard. It was hard to look at. And I understood this sense of fear and sense of he wants to do something and help. And so he will feel more safe, his family more safe, everyone around him. So I understood. And I even told them, yeah, I understand where I want to go. And to be honest, I didn't really have an issue with it. The second time he went was like around a month ago, maybe, that I don't understand. I disagree with this decision. I don't understand it. I told him, I think the army actions now are going to cause more radicalization in Gaza that I think Israelis, unfortunately, are going to feel in the coming years. I can really see Nadim's perspective on this side. I ask myself every day if what I do is the right thing or not, because every day I'm exposed to what's happening in Gaza and also to the Israeli political and government that's saying horrifying, disgusting, extremely racist, fascist, and everywhere you want. And this is the consensus now. It's a lot of people that feeling this way in Israel. What Adam and Adim experience is something many village residents also grapple with. The military issue was a deal breaker and it stopped some friendships. So I think, yeah, it's an issue that the village always been dealing with and is always going to deal with. It's up to the people or the groups, friend groups, on how they decide to like uh, attack this issue. In some ways, the current war has drawn everyone closer. One of the best things that happened in this war, like we really all gathered talking about the community of Neve Shalom, about the situation, about feelings, about what we want to do about it. 
I think we had like nine meetings or dialogues and also lectures. So this was pretty great. Aside from those village town halls, families also got together in private. But discussions can get pretty raw. My parents and Nadim's parents met to talk about a project that my father started when he took a food truck that we built for the village to just hang out and have fun. And he took it to serve food to the soldiers in the front. And this was a big saga. And they still start, is a big saga. It still is a big saga. It's still happening. And our both parents started to talk about this and their feelings. So me personally, my mom has uh, relatives. I have also like uh, relatives in Gaza. A lot of them have been uh, killed since the beginning of the war. So this, I think, this g- gives like a great picture on how the village or how the people in the village try to like live. So I have family that got killed, and Adam's father serving up food to the soldiers that not necessarily killed, but my family or but. Uh, the same soldiers that are going to fight in Gaza and the end kill also Gaza civilians. And when they sat and they tried to have a conversation and understand uh, why Adam's dad is doing what he's doing, my mom or my parents tried to explain to him her point and her pain that she's feeling and why she disagrees and wants him to stop doing what he's doing. And then, yeah, this is something that the village goes through, I think, a lot. Things get heated every time tensions escalate. In 2021, major violence erupted in the ongoing Israel-Palestine conflict. In these moments, village residents are confronted with the fact that they must continually grow and reflect together. I think this war like, had us go through a different path, but it's also very challenging, I guess. We live through an identity crisis, both of us, we are not like really, he's not fully Palestinian living in in a Palestinian community by itself. I'm not, I'm not an Israeli Jew that lives by by like Jewish Israeli community. We really have to get the other side perspectives. This is difficult because it's really make you ask a lot of questions and make you deal with things that you don't really want to deal and to have like heated arguments with your best friends about political views and even not political views it's a lot of emotions a lot of taking sides and just be connected to your true identity i think it will be a defining moment for our friendship in the political term everything have a lot of sides like the, the zionist story how we came out the jewish people came here what they did why they did it also what's happening to the palestinian people in gaza nothing is static in the village former mayor rayek rizek told me there's simply no manual out there to help residents figure out how to live together to coexist respectfully mindfully despite differences in other words, it's one giant experiment, and through it all, Adam and Adim have stayed friends. More than we are Palestinians, more than we are Israelis, we're humans. This is how we identify ourselves as well. There's two sides to every story. It's a challenge 
to try to understand the other side, especially in this conflict. But it's something we work on, and it's something we work on together. Something that also helps us being so close is having those extremely difficult conversations and not shying away from them, and telling the other person exactly how we feel, and keeping it real, trying to understand the perspective, because at the end of the day, both of us know we know each other, and we know that both of us have good intentions. I know that Adam is not a racist, and I know Adam's. It cares for the Palestinians, just like I care for the Palestinians and I care for the Israelis. We don't really have other options. Like he's and the other guys are my best friends, really. They are so close to me that I don't want to lose them. And I just really can't because they are my friends. For me, for an Israeli, I live in Israel. I'm a Jewish Israeli. I'm white Jewish Israeli. For me, it's easier if I just grew up in, uh, in a place that everybody is like me. But now, when I build those relationships for years with Nadim, it's not possible to go back. We are friends and we see each other as humans first. And we know that we have just good intentions and we are part of a really big and complicated and complex conflict. Uh, I think it seems like we disagree on most of the things. I actually think that it's the opposite and we agree on the majority of the things. One of our biggest disagreements is the army. And that's the one we, it's, we usually discuss the things you disagree on. So this is why it always comes up like we're having those discussions and arguments. Together. But yeah, I think the majority in the bigger picture, we both agree on a lot of stuff. I think we agree on what's the steps for the future. We agree that the violence cannot continue and this is not going to lead anywhere. It's only going to lead to more and more wars. I think we both believe in a two-state solution. We are all against our government and all religion, extreme parties from both sides. And we think yeah. that religious people that live that this land is holy. This conflict can only be solved, in my opinion, with putting religion to the side. Because if it's about religion, then we're all going to fight for the same uh, Jerusalem. Like It's going to be never-ending war on who gets Jerusalem, who gets this, who gets that. We need to acknowledge both people trauma and story, to acknowledge the Nakba, to acknowledge the need for a Jewish state. Yeah, there is a need for a Jewish state. We need to meet each other and to make yeah. more Arabs and Palestinians and Jewish Israelis to meet and to hang to out. Connected, so they can have experience what we're experiencing. And um, like Adam said before, one of the reasons um, we find a way to live together is because we don't have a choice. So... One of the, like, in the future, one of the ways to maybe reach a solution is to connect more Palestinians and Israelis because right now they're very disconnected. They don't know the other side, they never met the other side, and they don't talk to the other side. This indeed is very true. Outside of the Oasis of Peace Village, Israel is very segregated, visible even in the architecture of neighborhoods. Palestinian areas in a large city like Jerusalem are often much less developed and poorer than the Jewish areas. And the acknowledgement that we are both here, like Palestinian and Israelis. When, wherever you go, you will have the, the Palestinians, and wherever you go, you have the Israelis. We are here, and it's time to acknowledge that nobody's going nowhere. And this is part of the solution. Okay, so what do you two do and talk about for fun when you're not talking about war, you're not talking about politics, big geopolitics, identity issues like I mean what's the other part of your friendship we talk a lot about sports 
I'll be so honest with you, Sophie. Like every time we meet, we talk about politics. <laughs> like we can talk about sports, but we end up talking about like communism and capitalism somehow. Like this is how we are. Yeah. We're like I guess we talk about sports and we have fun, but we mainly talk about politics. <laughs> how would you each describe your identity if you met a total stranger and you had to kind of give a one or two minute? explanation about who you are and what you are what you stand for how would you describe yourself me personally i would say first that i'm a human being and afterwards i would say i'm a palestinian and then i would say i'm an arab yeah for me i guess human being from the shalom wahtul salam and then i need to explain it so it takes more than two minutes um and then yeah israeli living in the shalom kind of forces your identity to be very connected to the shalom Everywhere you go, like one of the basic questions you ask someone when you meet them, where are you from? Where are you from? Neve Shalom. Oh, Neve Shalom, what is this? And then it goes like politics. Being from Neve Shalom, it's an ideology that we try to enforce and bring to the outside. I think it's a privilege and I think it also comes with responsibility um, that we were lucky enough to grow up in a very unique perspective or a very unique way. And we should use this uh, privilege and bring our ideology outside of it. Yeah, I think there's a responsibility being from the village. I really hope that someday this conflict will end. It can happen. Look at me and Nadim. We are coming from uh, both from two people that, you know, he's Palestinian. His uh, family lived here for generation. My father, my grandfather came from Morocco as a Zionist and uh, built the kibbutz in the Negev. And look at us. Just two generations afterwards, we are here together, celebrating, screaming in the car, singing songs. So it's, it is possible. Battle Lines is an original podcast from The Telegraph. To stay on top of all of our news, analysis and dispatches from the ground in Israel and Gaza, subscribe to The Telegraph. Or sign up to Dispatches, which brings stories from our award-winning foreign correspondents straight to your inbox. We also have a live blog on our website, where you can follow updates as they come in throughout the day, including insights from contributors to this podcast. If you appreciated the podcast, please consider following Battle Lines on your preferred podcast app. And, if you have a moment, leave a review, as it helps others find the show. As disinformation is a particular problem during conflict, we are relying on your support more than ever. Battle Lines is part of wider Telegraph foreign coverage in our podcasts. If you're interested in finding out more about the war in Ukraine, you can listen to Battle Lines' sister podcast, Ukraine the Latest. Battle Lines is produced by David Dargahi, and the executive producers are Louisa Wells and David Knowles.